So my name is Ashley Dunning. And I'm Fiki Famutimi. And we are the Viterbi podcast team talking about Viterbi's conversations and ethics. The Viterbi podcast team will produce a series of podcasts made in collaboration with Viterbi Conversations and Ethics, an online magazine here at the Viterbi School of Engineering, dedicated to the exploration of ethics and engineering. Check out Viterbi Conversations and Ethics at vce.usc.edu. That's vce.usc.edu. This podcast was made possible with funding from the Viterbi School of Engineering Dean's Office here at the University of Southern California. Today's episode explores the ethics of clean energy. With us is Miranda Jenberg, a senior studying chemical engineering with an emphasis in sustainable energy, and Jason Trang, a senior studying aerospace engineering. Before we dive too deeply into the ethics, some background. The negative effect on the environment and the economic and societal disparities created by worsening climate crisis demands swift and deliberate action. The Green New Deal is a set of policies that hopes to address this problem, aims for net zero green gas emission. It is a big advocate of clean energy. Energy is derived from renewable energy sources that do not release greenhouse gases or other pollutants while in use. Clean energy, however, is not without ethical drawbacks. The production and the commission of these renewable energy sources can still negatively impact the environment and reinforce existing unjust systems of harm to vulnerable communities. And that is our mission today on this podcast, to take a deep dive into some of those ethical issues. The new voices you will hear are Miranda's and Jason's, engaging us with a conversation about some of those ethical issues. So thank you both for agreeing to speak with us today. We thought it'd be super interesting to have you both here at the same time because you both have different and interesting viewpoints about the topic. To get us started, Miranda, could you please describe some of the effects of the worsening climate crisis that are driving the need for clean energy? Yeah, definitely, Ashley, and thank you both for having us on. I'm super excited to talk today. I think that the worsening climate crisis comes with a slew of really negative and dramatic consequences for the planet, some of which we're really familiar with. So those things include temperature rise, sea level rise, extreme weather events like hurricanes and wildfires, and the increase in the frequency of those really extreme weather events. And these are things we've heard about on TV. We see these things in headlines, and they're scary and they're huge. But I think other effects that we don't hear about or talk about as frequently are kind of the social inequities and the social consequences of climate change. So, for example, like when sea levels rise, people are displaced from cities. Who are those people? How will they be impacted? And how are those things already happening right now? So right now, indigenous communities in Louisiana are being displaced by sea level rise. And that's an effect of worsening climate change. So there definitely is a need for clean energy and these consequences are here now. And I also know that you uh, mentioned some of the effects that even it even has on like developing nations. And I think that's something that sometimes we don't put into consideration. Do you mind also elaborating on that? Yeah, definitely. So developing, well, when we're talking about climate change consequences, oftentimes the people feeling these consequences are 
marginalized communities, both in the United States and abroad. So although developed countries like the United States and China have largely contributed the most to climate change, we are not the ones facing the direct consequences. So for example, in Yemen, they're facing famine and water shortages as a response to climate change. Haiti is threatened by even stronger hurricanes and rising sea levels. So those are just two examples of developing countries, but you could look anywhere to see really who's being harmed and who caused the problem, but who's suffering as a result. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, and uh, Jason, um, why do you believe, like, think that the use of renewable energy is a possible solution to some of the problems that Miranda described? Yeah, yeah thanks for the question. And yeah, nice meeting everyone on here. Looking forward to, you know, for this, to this podcast. And yeah, so renewable energy, like, you know, the past few decades, um, renewable energy really skyrocketed. And it's mainly, you know, due to as what Miranda discussed with more information about um, climate change, um, greenhouse gases. So, you know, um, a lot of these renewable energies ranging from um, hydropower, um, electric vehicles, wind turbines, all of these during... Um, during this, during their stages of, of, of usage, they emit zero carbon. And as we know, carbon dioxide is one of the key factors in, um, greenhouse gases and, um, climate change. So definitely, you know, renewable technology has, does have its advantages in, you know, curbing c- climate change and additional pollution. But at the same time, there are a lot of limitations with renewable energies and what they could potentially do in the future is really up to how engineers are, you know, designing these and manufacturing these throughout the entire process. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for that, Jason. Um, just to go a little bit deeper, Miranda, you described the Green New Deal as the United States call to action to tackle climate change. Specifically, what is the objective of the Green New Deal? Definitely. So the Green New Deal has multiple objectives, and I think there are a few worth noting. The first being addressing climate change. So for the United States to address climate change, and that's this overarching objective of the Green New Deal. But underneath that, there is a lot of different things that we could do to go about that as a nation. So that includes zero greenhouse gas emissions, That includes simultaneously addressing social inequities and historical oppression. And then that at large would be achieved by a set of expansive policies similar to FDR's New Deal. So although the Green New Deal is a single congressional document, it would look more like a lot of different policies if it were to actually be enacted. And I think it it goes without saying that engineers would have a really important role to play in that if it were to be approved in specifically the development and the application of green technology. Thanks. Uh, And I know that you're both an advocate of uh, the Green New Deal and Jason, you're an advocate of uh, renewable energy. However, you both argue that um, careful ethical considerations should be done before we go about implementing them. how might both, even though they are well-intentioned, still be harmful to some communities? Yeah, so well-intentioned policy can oftentimes further harm 
already marginalized communities and actually hurt the communities in which it was intended to help. And this is an even bigger deal with the Green New Deal because the Green New Deal says as we address climate change, we're going to simultaneously assist and aid in alleviating harms of inequalities. So when it comes to policy, I think that language is really important. So one bit of the Green New Deal is an emphasis on net zero greenhouse gas emissions. So that just means that for what we emit, we'll either remove it or pay for it in some fashion to make sure that at the end of the day, what we're emitting equals zero. And that's really different from zero emission clean energy, which I'm sure Jason could also elaborate on more. But zero emission energy or clean energy would be using these renewable sources like solar, geothermal, hydro, whatever, that doesn't actually emit carbon in the first place. So in the case of net zero emissions, which is the language of the Green New Deal, we could theoretically continue to emit greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide through the burning of fossil fuels and coal specifically, and then kind of pay off in carbon credits or sequester carbon and kind of continue these damaging and detrimental behaviors and tactics. And that would could potentially raise ethical concerns for the communities that the Green New Deal is trying to help because statistically speaking and historically, oftentimes these natural gas power plants, coal-fired power plants, energy sources are located adjacent to, um, I guess, at-risk and vulnerable communities in the United States, including Black populations, Latino populations, and Indigenous communities as well. Yeah, to expand a little bit on that, um, there are a lot of, I guess, concerns with renewable technologies, even though they're not really, I guess, um, talked about a lot in current society. Uh, and as we know, you know, for example, electric cars, Tesla, um, other forms of electric vehicles and on renewable technologies, these are always advocated just because of how clean they are. But if we, you know, dig a bit deeper in, in actuality, they aren't quite as clean as we think they are. And, you know, as we, we can take a look, for example, with, um, hydropower or wind turbines, all of these require very expensive magnets and really rare metals to, um, to manufacture and produce. And in order to obtain these metals, we really have to mine a lot of, you know, essentially a lot of tons of, 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 of rocks and earth just to, you know, achieve or just to obtain a handful of, of these metals. So, you know, as we all know, you know, mining is really de- uh, detrimental for not only our earth, but also for our climate, just because, you know, you have these huge trucks, um, huge machinery coming in and just, you know, excavating piles and piles of, of dirt. So all of these do contribute to um, climate change, even though it's happening way before the actual implementation of these technologies. However, you know, we, we rarely take into consideration these pollution coming from mining because first of all, it's, you know, it's not happening at the moment. It's happening before and it's usually happening, um, in third world countries, for example, in Africa or in Southeast Asia. So, we really need to consider, you know, are these renewable technologies actually as green as we think they are? And in another case, which is more common now, are electric vehicles. 
even though when you're driving, for example, a Tesla, it is, in fact, yeah, you're not emitting any, you know, nitrous oxide, carbon dioxide, monoxide, etc. But where does the electrical energy come from, right? Once you question that and we dig deeper, then that is then when we realize that that electrical energy is actually most likely coming from a fossil fuel power plant, you know, nearby or far away. And, you know, at this current state of technology, um, at least in, at least in America, the vast majority of our power plants are still consuming fossil fuel. So the question is, are electric vehicles actually renewable? Are they actually clean? And the short answer is no, they're not because, you know, they're using um, the electrical energy generated from fossil fuel. And to kind of expand a little bit, a little bit more on how these electric vehicles could pollute the environment is that they have these huge lithium ion batteries, you know, and these lithium ion batteries are, you know, similar to the ones in your laptops in other electrical devices. And because they're so big and they contain a lot of rare metals, again, they consume a lot of, um, or they pollute a lot of, um, a lot of these greenhouse gases during the mining stages as well. So, you know, and there are, you know, I think there are some studies that kind of dive a bit deeper and they kind of compare how much pollutant is coming from an electric vehicle as compared to a, uh, you know, regular gasoline vehicle. And in some cases, they're about the same, you know, and, you know, I'm saying all this not because I'm a skeptic of, you know, electric vehicles or renewable technology. I think those are great ideas. It's just that there are a lot of things as engineers and scientists that we need to kind of work on and not turn a blind eye to, right? Just because we have all of these renewable technologies that are existing already doesn't mean that we stop there. There's still a lot more work to be done before they could be, you know, fully implemented, at 100% capacity as what many of us want already. Yeah, thank you. Um, Both of you, you both had great points and um, specific facts on how clean energy isn't necessarily as clean as we think it is. And so what you both also emphasized in your papers was that with this Green New Deal and with all these renewable technologies comes our moral responsibility as engineers to um, take into consideration the approach and how we apply these renewable energies and consider both sides to the spectrum. And so, um, you both believe that utilitarianism isn't necessarily the right or adequate ethical lens in order to analyze these ethical dilemmas of clean energy. So Jason, can you please explain a little bit further what utilitarianism approach is and what are the drawbacks of this perspective? Yeah, so that approach, you know, it just prioritizes um, that the, which action that yields, you know, the largest possible um, outcome. And, you know, by taking a look at renewable energies, yes, it has a lot of benefits, but at the same time, there are some drawbacks as far as, you know, as I mentioned before, mining. Um, these mining that occur in third world countries, these usually affect um, rural areas and families that are um, usually poor than, um, than, than, than an average worker. And so, you know, th- these people, when these miners essentially, when they have to work these mines, they face a lot of health concerns, you know, just because they're being exposed to all the, all the pollutants and even some radiation that occurs, um, as a result from, from mining. And just because of, you no, know, of their efforts in mining is only when first world countries can, 
I guess, exploit these materials, these, these metals and produce renewable technologies. So yes, they, they, you know, renew, renewable technologies will benefit the vast majority, but it's not that it's not fair for, you know, for the miners and for their families who have to suffer and live near these mines. Yes, um, I agree with that um, perspective that it's that approach neglects the mining community. But Miranda, you believe that we should prioritize the right approach to ethics. What is the right rights approach and why should it be um, used instead? Yeah, so the rights approach to ethics is basically that each of us has an inherent worth that is deserving of respect. And then based on the rights approach, it would be wrong for others to abuse this inherent worth of other individuals against their will. So I think that in the past and then moving forward with a Green New Deal, it's been evident that delivery of what we think should be clean energy has resulted in an abuse of rights for certain populations, which is kind of what Jason was hitting on. And then I also think to add to that is that mining infringement actually happened in the United States as well throughout the 20th century. So there was uranium mining and it was occurring almost exclusively in the Navajo Nation here in the States. And the reality was that although uranium was highly valuable product, a necessary product for the U.S. military, the Navajo miners were basically unaware of what the health effects were at the time, and it resulted in cancer, which we know comes from um, like radioactive waste related to uranium. And what that means in the context of the rights approach is that in pursuing clean energy and pursuing nuclear energy, the Navajo Nation was directly harmed and their rights as individuals were infringed upon on this pursuit to clean energy. So moving forward as engineers and moving forward with the Green New Deal, vulnerable communities, low-income communities have the right to what is agreed upon in the Green New Deal as individuals through the rights approach. And I think the language in the document is really powerful. And it says that it will stop current, prevent future, and repair historic oppressions. And through the rights approach, individuals are entitled to that if we move forward with this legal document. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, and Jason, you also agreed that the rights approach is the better approach to adapt. And one of the purposes of discussing the drawbacks of renewable technology is not to hinder the implementation of renewable energies. So can you elaborate elaborate a little bit further on what you meant by that? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So, um, you know, as I said before, you know, renew, renewable technologies, it's it, there's no free lunch, right? So even if we make the full transition to 100% renewable technologies, there would still be um, pollution one way or the other. And, and a lot of times, now we're, we're at the beginning of, you know, this rise of 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 you no know, mass production of renewable technologies, but years later, if not decades later, we're gonna kind of see some of the consequences of using renewable technologies if engineers don't find a solution to it. And that problem is 
once all these lithium batteries, these wind turbines that are made of fiberglass, metals, etc., once they're out of commission, they got to go somewhere, right? You, you know, and oftentimes these wind turbine blades, they can be sizes of an entire football field. So, and, you know, after a decade or so, once they're out of commission, you're going to have to, you know, take it out, chop into smaller pieces and decompose of it somewhere. And that would result in pollution, right? So there are a lot of factors, not that need to be taken into consideration with renewable technologies and not just at the moment, not just at the moment of using it. You need to look at the bigger picture of the manufacturing stages and production stages, as well as um, the stages where you're done with these products. How would you properly dispose of this if not recycle them, right? Because at the moment, all these lithium batteries, these rare metals, only about 5% I think about 5% of them are being recycled. And the reason why that number is so low is because they're just so expensive to recycle. It's not worth the time and effort to do so. So companies just often, you know, replace these batteries and metals by just purchasing new ones instead of investing into um, recyclable metals and lithium batteries. So, you know, as ethical engineers and scientists, we really have to um, kind of dive deeper and kind of resolve these issues just because we know that these issues these issues exist already, right? We don't want to go half a century later when we've, you know, fully implemented all these technologies and be like, oh shoot, what do we do now, right? We have, you know, so many of these wind turbines, no place to dispose of them. Um all of these lithium batteries, we can't reuse them. So so yeah, yeah, like the, the uh there are, I guess, a lot of issues still with renewable technologies, and it's not the good thing is that it's, we're not too late to solve them yet, right? And I guess the next step forward is for current engineers and future engineers to also recognize these problems, just so that we don't get into into just so that we don't get into another hot mess as we are right now in the future. Absolutely, thank you. Um... Like you said, this isn't, we don't have to be done yet. This isn't the end all be all. And we have time to move forward and make good ethical decisions as engineers and scientists in order to implement clean energy in a way that is actually clean and renewable and good for vulnerable, vulnerable communities, as well as the environment and our kids and grandkids in the future. And so these are all very important. Um, points to consider when we are implementing the Green New Deal and different renewable technologies and just thinking about clean energy in general. And so I just wanted to thank you both for coming on to the show today. We all really appreciate your wisdom on the matter and um, we wish you all the best in the future. Great. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank you both. So uh, this concludes today's segment. Thank you for tuning in. Please stay tuned for more content exploring ethical issues. Again, I am Fiki Famutimi. And I am Ashley Dunning. Don't forget to check out Viterbi Conversation in Ethics at vce.usc.edu. That is vce.usc.edu. The Viterbi podcast team includes Ashley Dunning, Mahima Varanasi, Jackson Carroll, Matt O'Grady, and me, Olufikunwayo Famutimi.